Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Welcome back, friends. This is the Mass Effect Lorecast. I am your host, Tom or Robots, and I am here as usual with N7 The Legend. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I am back and I'm feeling better than I was. Um, not 100%, I think. I had a pretty strong headache today, some other stuff, but I'm so ready to dive into this uh, first episode about Cerberus. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for those of you who are tuning into this episode after the fact, we had to delay this episode a little bit. So thank you for your patience. This usually gets recorded on Sunday nights. So this is now Wednesday night. So, you know, some health things come out come you know i get headaches i guess sam gets headaches everybody has health things we decided to delay the issue a little bit and as we were discussing in the pre-show conversation sam says that he thinks going over these notes a little bit extra the last few days is going to turn this into a better show than it would have been so i'm interested to see where the conversation goes so why don't we just dig right in because this is Cerberus, but not all of Cerberus, because that would be a huge conversation, right? This is just the origins. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we're we're diving into the factions of Mass Effect. You know, we're talking about what groups influence the galaxy, where deals are made, where power resides, really, in the Milky Way. Mm. And mm. Uh, when we talk about those things, we have to discuss that there are none shadier than Cerberus. Yes, right? they're like um, the power broker of the Mass Effect universe. Like, yeah, I've been super them, into Marvel stuff lately, and that's kind of what I think. The behind the scenes kind of shady group you know they are so shady i think that there there's no better word to describe cerberus than shady um maybe militant too but we'll get into that a little bit for those of you who are new to the series cerberus is like if you had a rogue private military company and that PMC had both the significant financial backing and a supremacist ideology that justified using force for political gain. And I'm pretty sure that I just described terrorism <laughs> verbatim. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, huh, this has never happened. Oh, wait, yes, it has. <laughs> this happens all the time in reality. Okay, yeah, so uh, yeah. we got a pretty clear sense of uh, what these guys are about already. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> technically speaking, Cerberus is merely a private organization, but it has its tentacles and like everything tentacles from <laughs> writhing, writhing tentacles in everything from frontier exploration to intelligence operations, from political lobbying to research and development. I mean, seriously, these guys are in everything. Cerberus actively arranged terrorist activities, sabotage operations against alien governments, and assassinations of even the Pope, uh -huh. all in the name of humanity first. So, uh, so what I love about this is that they're going like, they're super new school. They're like, we're going to assassinate aliens because that's that's pretty freaking awesome. And you know what? We're also going to go old school, old school too. We're going to go like, you know, medieval and assassinate a pope because that's totally awesome also a thing that is very historically accurate as well 
because there were definitely shady organizations and power plays historically where people would assassinate popes. So, that's oh yeah, they got they got one cool. hand in Star Trek, they got one hand in Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> with Cerberus, totally. it's just you know all over the place. They are the. Um, eschatological smorgasbord of villains here like eschatological smorgasbord is now yeah. one of i need to add them to our band shirt uh which is up on the store they're a scat because, band yeah yeah oh god okay i need to i need to not do that okay so uh okay uh, where are we going from here i'm now completely so, off track so humanity first you know like it's and i think a good way to to like we've thrown around a lot of like really heavy you know like ten dollar words like eschatological <laughs> and private military companies and shit like that it's just basically kind of like tesla teamed up with blackwater and then adopted a fox news worldview right okay gotcha yeah which is pretty fucking scary but <laughs> like just to think about that um, yes. And, you know, for those who are listening at home, I, I when I was doing this, I, I thought, hey, you know, create your own sci-fi shadow organization. Here's a fun and scary uh, game to play. Uh, just if you if you can make a mashup, all you need is, you know, which combos would you never want to see? Mm -hmm. Basically, you take mm -hmm. one tech company, one super powerful finance powerhouse, you know right. what I mean? And then you add a shady organization to it, or you could get a little bit more fun. You know, like I have a few that I was writing down, for okay. example, okay. how about Amazon uh -huh. and the KGB? Okay. All right. <laughs> Delivering neurotoxins right to your door. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or you could just mix the letters around and have Amazon and the KFC and they could just be chopping off the heads of people like chickens. <laughs> and then mailing them. <laughs> and then mailing their them to their enemies. <laughs> deep, <laughs> deep frying their enemies and mailing them without heads. How about Chuck E. Cheese and Google? <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't even know what that would look like. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the robot critter band knows your search history or something. Yeah. Okay. Chuck E. Cheese and Google. It's like automatronic search engine that actually physically goes around and searches for things for you. But it's super creepy and the eyes move weird. It's like it's like robots that look like creepy automatronic entertainment creatures. Ooh. I'm terrified just thinking about it, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, I, I also had another one. How about Facebook? Mm -hmm. Facebook and. And on second thought, you know, they're good alone. Facebook and Facebook. That's yeah. Facebook mm -hmm. and itself. Facebook um, and itself. That's where we're at as a society like, in real life. I think, I think, yeah, I think that's yeah. No, that's all you need is Facebook. So, uh, okay, well, okay, back on topic. Um, so how did this militant research group even rise to power? And on top of that, assassinate a pope? I mean, where were they before we met them in the games? Uh, you know, there's this interesting timing here, considering what spawned the creation of the alliance and its recognition as a political entity. Of course, we just talked about that uh, last week and the week before that. To answer your question simply, the first contact war. Uh, remember how we talked about the general level of fear and anxiety among humans when they realized that they weren't alone mm -hmm. and that aliens were a threat? Right, right. Well, capitalizing on and weaponizing that fear is kind of the entire basis for Cerberus's success. Okay, so that's the whole Fox News part of this, right? That is the Fox News part of this. Yeah, um, we're gonna get I, I, we're gonna get angry uh, angry reviews on this episode for sure. Well, whatever. If they but, don't like I mean, listening to anybody, us, they okay, can wait, switch wait. over to Fox. Side, side news: anybody who actually legitimately listens to Fox News, Fox News, and doesn't realize that so much of the content on there is about like making you upset and worried about things going on in the world. I mean, that's all that, that we're saying here is what they're doing, right? They're capitalizing yeah. on public fear, on fear of stuff. And that's and, and, and to be let's let's be let's be 100 percent fair. Many news organizations do that. Yeah, they're not the only ones. They're not the only ones. We're just picking on Fox because it's easy to pick on. But this is something news organizations are known for because it gets clicks. It gets views. And so to be fair, this is a news thing in general. 
and more specifically cable news cable news cable news thing in general so let's we'll be fair about that so cable news thing in general you could you could throw cnn under under the bus as well so let's we'll just be fair about that yeah um and so right after the, the first contact war an anonymous manifesto is published on the mass effects version of the internet it's called the extranet and this manifesto effectively warns humanity of an alien deep state secretly plotting and maneuvering toward a human genocide okay it it along like many other manifestos was a call to action and the author fomented this fear and called for a human army a cerberus to guard again to guard humanity against the impending alien invasion through the Charon mass relay hence uh-huh. where they got the name cerberus Cerberus. okay so but to be clear humanity had the alliance at the time already right yeah they did so they did have you know an army willing to defend them okay um but but apparently the alliance wasn't willing to do what needed to be done or go far enough to defend humanity right it was easy to probably like throw them under the bus and be like oh well they're not good enough so we need to do what they're not willing to do because they're not really going to protect us from the real enemy because they're not even aware of what the real you know it's the whole that whole conspiracy side of it thing to motivate the public right exactly there i'm imagining in the mass effect universe conspiracies were running amok you know like oh the alliance is in on it the alliance is part of the deep state or the alliance is just so inept and ineffectual or you know like uh, that they can't do anything or they're too close to the aliens or the aliens are actually controlling them secretly or you know who knows right you could come up with any anything and i'm sure there's an alex jones in the future that was actually you know throwing that stuff out there and people were believing yeah 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 cerberus is very much info wars um yeah that's a good way to put it um so you know let's veer off of mass effect course for a second because i think relating this to what we've seen in history it doesn't just help us understand how some crazy shadow organization like cerberus could conceivably gain so much of a following but it really is important that we stay vigilant for some of these signs that seem to be happening around us like even today okay yeah so it's i mean this sounds a lot like a lot of the rhetoric that we get from you know dictators in our own world right yeah i mean it's the tried and true formula for autocrats right there's a series of things that autocrat like if you're if you're writing a playbook there's a series of things that autocrats usually do on their rise to power they delegitimize existing public institutions i.e the alliance right they fabricate a crisis i.e human genocide they create a faceless omnipresent enemy aliens literally right. anyone right. who's not humans right, right. And, and a problem that can't really be addressed so that it is always a problem so that they always maintain power right not a clear objective right <laughs> right in addition to that they scare the shit out of people uh-huh. <laughs> because that's kind of like that's kind of key you got to scare the shit out of people right and then call to raise my own army to defend against the fabricated crisis that I've made because I alone can fix this. Right. This formula has been um, very well documented. It's it, it was a formula that uh, Nazi Germany has used had used. I'm sure there are echoes of this even from um, revolutionary times in uh, France. Uh, Napoleon was probably using a, a very similar rhetoric um, during the revolutions in Russia. There was probably very similar rhetoric. Um, and then you look at even there's even echoes of this during multiple different times in American history where we we claim uh, the communists are going to come get us and we have to stand up against them or the terrorists are going to come get us and we need to stand up against them. There have been many times throughout our own history and many other histories in the Western world in just the last 200 years where this formula has been tried and in many places been successful to varying degrees um probably the greatest known one would be nazi germany which is extremely scary but it also creates a template for future organizations to use against an unwitting public who is easily manipulated due to fear 
Yes. And not only manipulated, but isolated. They, you know, when you can, when you can convince a populace to be afraid of something, they more, they don't think rationally, first of all. And then second of all, they more willingly give up their freedoms to external sources of information. So, and, and if you can do that, if you're an autocrat and you can get a population to only rely on you for the narrative. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You've won. Because you're the only, you, only one you can, they can trust anymore. Right. Right. You are the only one and, and anyone who agrees with you is the only one that they can trust anymore. And by the way, if anyone below you falls out of your grace, they're a traitor. They're with the enemy. Exactly. You can't trust exactly. them. You can flag so. them as being. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. This seems, uh, this seems very similar to other things more recently happening in the world, but uh, we're going to leave that to your imagination. Um, All right. Well, this is a wonderful start because I I know people are like, oh, you guys go into politics too much sometimes and yada, yada, yada. But this is amazingly prescient. Is that the right word for things that currently go on in the world and have historically gone gone in the world and create a foundation for us to understand how a group like Cerberus could come to power and be as effective as they are in the Mass Effect universe. Like, I think I think there's a core to really understanding this. Otherwise, you look at a group like this. If you don't understand how powerful this kind of rhetoric is, this manipulation of the populace is, then you don't understand how a group like this can actually be this powerful because you put them next to something like the Alliance and you're like, well, how can a little group of, you know, just this this little group become so behind the scenes powerful how how does that even make sense they don't have the wealth of nations they don't have the you know the the ability to get their message out as easily as as everyone else but really it's through these methods and these methods are tried and true and they work and they're extremely scary and that's and this is the foundation that's why we're harping on this for, for so much in this section of of the episode is because this actually works. This is how a little known artist in the 1920s and 30s goes on to become the dictator and almost take over the world in Central Europe in the 1940s. You know, like these things actually work. So it's it's the it is predicate to some of humanity's greatest atrocities. Absolutely. It, it, Absolutely. Like the worst levels of violence against innocent people that the world has ever seen were predicated by this because it almost always devolves into a like a a, a free populace mm-hmm. just like dissolving themselves of power right and giving it to one person and good people unwittingly doing terrible things for what they think are good reasons because they feel threatened just like the people in mass effect human beings anyway in mass effect must have felt threatened by the turians upon first encountering an alien species and then all of a sudden their planet sanshi their colony is now invaded yeah it's occupied yeah shang 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 su shang the movie shanshi shanshi I think I'm pronouncing it right. S H A N X I. Probably in Pinyin. Are we back in Marvel? Areas? All right. Well, um, <laughs> well, this was a good start to the episode, and we have some uh, some reviews to go over and some patrons to thank. So we're going to transition into the middle of the episode. Where are we going to Where are we going to come back to after the break? So we're when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit more about exactly how the proper organization Cerberus itself was formed, and where. I mean, it's a pretty big jump to go from from this idea posted to the extranet to to this shadow terrorist organization. So we'll talk about exactly how they got there. Awesome. All right. We'll be right back. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Following is a public service announcement from the Starter Set Dungeons and Dragons podcast. This is your D and D campaign. 
This is the Starter Set Podcast. You know how like poison frogs don't lick each other's backs? So it's Howl's Moving Castle mm-hmm. with a face. Mm. Hey there, I'm Great Mandibles. Because <laughs> one of the party speaks abyssal. You're all going to die. <laughs> and then adventure falls into your lap. Plop. This is your D&D campaign after listening to the Starter Set Podcast. <laughs> So join Sam and Ed every Friday on the Starter Set Podcast for Prime Dungeons & Dragons content. Any questions? All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and our uh, mysterious benefactor from last month, we put out a ship design contest, and that didn't really take off. Get the ship take off. That was my little joke. Um, so we're going to retool this ship contest and come up with something else for this month tossing around some ideas i need to get back in touch with them in order to find out exactly what we're going to do but we may double up the reward to two people who can join us at the end of this month so stay tuned for that we will have some more news for the next episode i will get back to you guys but we will have a new contest that i hope more people will want to be involved with um, because they, a lot of people are involved in the first one. Not so many involved in the ship contest. I think maybe that was just a little bit more than what people were really had any ideas for. So we're going to go with something else different for the next one. But uh, stay tuned for that. Also, thank you to our 41 patrons. Holy moly, man. Oh, man. And our shepherd to your patrons, pipe man, sovereign and stagger and stumble. Thank you to the three of you guys. And to all the 41 of our other patrons, if you are interested in helping to support the show, if we've done anything to help you get through your workday or your workout or your drive to work or washing your mother, then man, that's gross. But please check out patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast for all the different tiers and all the different rewards you can get, including T-shirts and stickers, which were added just recently. So check all that stuff out. The T-shirts and sticker designs are very limited edition. They will go up on the, um, the, I think they'll be out by the end of November, early December for people who were patrons when those first went up like a month ago. And so you should start getting those. They go up every three months for people as long as they stay on the tiers that they're at when where those get rewarded and every three months another one goes out and then they're gone they're out of the list of designs they will never be up on the store and you can't get those designs ever again so they're limited edition only for patrons and our way of saying thank you so much for continuing to support the mass effect lorecast so thank you so much to everybody go check that out and we've got some reviews here these are some beefy reviews. We've got one from Lord Tizer, who is in chat right now. Let's read this out. Lord Tizer from the United States says, I am Lord Tizer, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Five stars. Tom and Sam create a positive, upbeat atmosphere in their pod. Excuse me, in their podcast to discuss the nuances of the Mass Effect universe while adding a touch of real world comparisons and ponderings. I have enjoyed content from robots way before the pan, the, the world pandemic and pervasive hate that has permeated this world as of late. With so much negativity in the world today, I am glad to see the Robots Radio Network continues to be a beacon of positivity and fun while bringing us information on the games and content we love. Listen to this podcast. It will be worth your time. Lord Tizer, thank you so much for that review. Wonderfully said. Um, we really do appreciate it. And then we have one from Antoine Don 56 in the, U- in the United States who writes amazing exclamation mark five stars. This is a long one. Buckle in. I'm going to do my best to get through it as quick as I can. Seriously, love this podcast so far. In my opinion, the original Mass Effect trilogy is the greatest story ever told in any form of media throughout human history. That is absolutely high praise for this for this trilogy. That's how much I love the series. You guys adding the extra depth to this amazing world in lore has been extra refreshing. I have replayed the trilogy annually every year, every year since Mass Effect 3 released in 2012. I was trying to hold off on my ninth annual playthrough until I could get a next gen console, but I just downloaded the Legendary Edition last night to my PS4. I have started this pod from the beginning and have been binging to catch up to the current releases. Your thoughtful presentation has added even more depth to an entire and already amazing story. I will say that I have only been disappointed by one thing, and that was your first episode and discussing whether or not Shepard is alive or dead. They flat out told us at the end of Mass Effect 3 that Shep survived. 
The final cutscene features an old man and a young girl in a field off in the distance, and the little girl asks the man to tell me another story about the shepherd, to which he replies, okay, one more story. They wouldn't have put this in in unless Mass Effect 4 wasn't going to feature Shep. Mass Effect 4 meaning the sequel to 3, not the not Andromeda. Um, you only get that scene if you choose Destroy and Shep survives, but I could be wrong. I don't think this definitely decanonizes synthesis and control, but rather that if you choose synthesis or control, the Reapers win. I say this because if you control if you control the Reapers, I think you choose to give into indoctrination. You should definitely do a pod about the indoctrination theory. If you choose synthesis, the Reapers win by eliminating organic life. Either the Reapers win, either the Reapers win. Mass Effect 4, in my opinion, to me, will follow the life of Shep after destroy and basically state that choosing either of the other two was what the reapers wanted and in doing so the reapers find a way to continue the cycle i also believe mass effect 4 will canonize the indoctrination theory which is my sincere hope for the franchise anyways love your work and hope to listen to much more content wow what a well thought out review and um interesting theory here on on the way this could go huh antoine thank you for the review and thank you again lord tizer what do you think sam we're probably, we probably might have to address that on a future episode because that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> I think we will. And uh, I've heard indoctrination theory mentioned a lot of times. I think it's definitely something that is divisive. A lot of our listeners and the Mass Effect community as a whole feel very strongly about it. I know that from the Discord that we run. Uh, but I, I do think that, uh, I first of all, I want to say thank you to uh, Lord Tizar and Antoine Don for the stellar reviews, pun always intended. Um, and <laughs> I also want to say, uh, Tom, I think Antoine Don may have sidestepped our episode where we had a pa patron chat asking them what they thought about the endings i think he sidestepped that and just said you know what i'm just gonna throw it in a review they'll read it that way <laughs> yeah maybe so maybe so, so. <laughs> yeah but um nevertheless i really do appreciate that um i love how i'm not the only one like super into this series um it feels good to be surrounded by people like that so yeah absolutely and uh before we get back to the rest of the episode uh big congratulations to sovereign who won our uh, Mass Effect trivia show last week. Uh, we shipped out the reward and Sovereign posted some pictures up for everybody to see, which was super cool. The um, what was that called again? The uh, words fall out of my brain. The that was that was called the um, Medal of Valor. Medal of, Medal of Valor. And it, it looked yes. really cool. Like it looks cool in the images on the website. You know how whenever you look at the images on the, on the website, they're like professionally shot and everything. You're like, oh, it looks nice. And then somebody takes a picture of it when they unpack it. And it like all of a sudden it looks real, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, it looked heavy and substantial. Yeah. I was like, wow, that looks so much better than it looked on the website. Uh, but you also get a sense of like how big it actually is, too. It was really cool. So congratulations again. That was awesome. So here we go. Let's finish up the episode. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right, so we left off talking about the ways that extremism takes hold and autocrats use people's fears basically against them. So how how does this continue to play out in Mass Effect as as it you know has to do with Cerberus? So that kind of brings us to the events of the Turian occupation of Shanxi, like I mentioned, um, and there there are three human mercenaries that are assisting the Alliance. There's Jack Harper. Eva Kore and Ben Hislop, and all three are so crucial in the way that humanity will develop because of Cerberus. All three of these mercenaries serve with General Williams, who may sound familiar to a lot of people because she is, or I'm sorry, General Williams is Ashley's grandfather. This is the same General Williams who surrendered his garrison at Shanxi, who incurred such a huge burden and stamp of shame for all of humanity. Um, so this is a really critical time before Shepard is really even on the scene in Mass Effect 1. And so after capturing a Turian general, 
while assisting the Alliance. The mercenaries become in, like totally engulfed in this general's conspiracy to use an ancient artifact to transform the Turians into a race of invincible super soldiers. Of course, under his control. Of course. Of course. Also, and that's, I mean, it's got kind of a really cool sound to it. Yeah, I mean, like, you got you to give it that at least. All of the Turians now become invincible super soldiers, and of course, you know, if you're a human, that's pretty fucking scary because you're currently at war with them. Right, right. I mean, that sounds pretty, yeah. pretty badass, but okay. <laughs> yeah, and and of course, and it doesn't stop there. It turns out that the general, his brother, is Saren Arterius. So Saren Arterius is the same Saren from Mass Effect One and mass effect uh the novels of course if, if you've read those uh saren actually aids harper Corey, and hislop in trying to foil his brother's plot of using this ancient artifact to transform the turians um but in the process Corey and hislop die so Man. this leaves only jack harper who comes away from the mission, no doubt scarred. And he takes away this cynical worldview. Maybe we should say galaxy. View, <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> from his encounter with the aliens. He, he, this is what he comes away thinking. Basically the stars, you know, were warm and welcoming, right? Full of places to explore adventures, you know, knowledge, riches, but humanity won't always be welcome. And those that came before us, won't always be willing to share what they know. That is just the way of things in the universe. That's what Harper thought. These were words that were told to him from the Turian general, Desolus Arterius. Mm -hmm. And they mm -hmm. kind of echo in his mind and they haunt him for a long time afterwards. Harper knows that a dark time is coming, or at least he thinks he knows that a dark time is coming for for humanity and humanity will be tested in Harper's uh, opinion. He, he's so sure that he can see this in the future. And while humanity may not know who's doing the testing or why they must meet the challenge as humanity has done every single time in the past. We're getting into serious Benito Mussolini territory right here. This is yeah, um, this is like I am. I am the only one who has this foreknowledge and I must be the one to act on it. This kind right, of stuff. Right. right. Peace, peace is war and war is natural or some shit like that. I don't know, mm. some nonsense, but <laughs> humanity must succeed in Harper's mind because doing anything else would be inhuman, right? Because in like human beings have never fucking failed. We know that, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I get where I get that ideology. The ideology is basically saying that at every turn, humanity has found a way to survive. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't right? be here then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Therefore, All of this everything seems kind done... of just like, duh. You know, like, I mean, let, let's back up a little bit real quick. Just real quick. Um, the stars were warm and welcoming. No, they weren't. <laughs> Full of places to explore. Well, yeah. And knowledge and riches to be had. Sure. Potentially. But humans won't always be welcome. No shit. <laughs> like, right. Like, at what point in human history has exploring foreign lands with other inhabitants have the explorers ever been just welcome? Um, in Miss Trombetta's first grade recount of the of the pilgrims having Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah, lunch, yeah, the, the pilgrims and the and the Native Americans who <laughs> who back then probably were taught to us to be called the Indians, which doesn't make any sense. Uh, where where everyone just got along and the Indians helped to make food for the pilgrims and like no that's not how that's not how like it's like it's like he grew up with a fourth grade worldview and then all of a sudden as like a 35 year old adult was like wait a minute the world is more dangerous than i ever thought it would be or the galaxy in this instance you know we it must is, do something about that he has romanticized everything Absolutely. a lot um right and, and so and so the pendulum is swung all the way to the other side there's yes, no balance in this thought 
I think that that's that's funny, right? Because he's he's like a grown up and he should have come to terms with a lot of the harsh realities of the world sooner. But the thing is that we have to keep in mind at this point in humanity's development in the Mass Effect universe, everything has happened so fast. Humanity just found this, you know, trove of data on Mars, which allowed them to travel way farther than they ever thought they would like. Mm-hmm. I imagine in humanity's mind in the Mass Effect universe, they kind of wrote off interstellar travel completely in their mind because they're like, that's so far in the future. I'm not going to have to have right. that. My, right. my kids aren't going to have that. Like not even going to think about it. Right. This is generations so, away. We don't even need to worry about that as, a, as even a concept yet. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden, 2148 rolls around. They find the Mars archives. They find all this data. Now they can use mass relays. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to different parts in the galaxy instantaneously. They're Mm -hmm. finding these untamed worlds that don't have any sentient life on them that they can just take for theirs. And it's all very exciting, right? So this is this new wealth of resources and land and possibilities for humanity. And this is the this is the 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 environment that 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 Harper grows up in Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. And so then he's faced with the Turians, of course, in the 2150s. 2157 is the first contact war. He's working as a mercenary and maybe he didn't grow up in this in this environment, but he certainly matured in this environment of limitless possibilities, manifest destiny. Right. Um, But he notes that this dark time is coming. And he says, you know, uh, that he alone, you know, here's this, I alone can fix this. Jack Harper says that he will watch the dark places, that he will bring these dark places into the light. He says there's no magic, only technology and tools that humanity can and must master or control. A theme very prevalent in Mass Effect, control. Mm -hmm. Not just to survive, but to improve humanity. So there's the human supremacy aspect. They can, humanity can and will take their rightful place in the stars. This is like identical to the manifest destiny ideology. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. The white man's burden. This is like identical. It's right right a page out of the playbook. Right, right. In other words, it doesn't matter who we have to step on, murder or, or steal from. We, we deserve what we can take and we're going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's exactly it. Um, and you know, it it kind of, I, I thought about it when I was putting together these notes and I had a few questions that even I didn't know, like the answer to, I couldn't find the answer to. Um, and I think that there might not be an answer, not in the lore anyway. I think it's just things that we should probably discuss as a community, you know, could Harper's dealings with Saren have polarized him? Because think about this, Mm -hmm. Jack Harper, dealt with Saren Arterius to try to take down Saren's brother, the mad general who wanted to make the invincible Turian soldiers, you know, but we all know from Mass Effect one that Saren hated humanity and like he, he despised humanity. He's a very polarizing Um, figure. Absolutely. Yeah. He wasn't easy to get along with. Certainly not if you have skin like a human. Um, (laughs) Sure. And so my question kind of to the community is, could Harper's dealings with Saren have polarized Harper? Could it have pushed Harper farther to the edge that, you know, kind of isolated him in his own mind that all aliens are these assholes that we will never get along with. And, you know, humanity must survive, survive, survive. Or did he get the idea that all aliens hated humanity as much as Saren did? And, and vice versa, did Saren garner a stronger hatred of humanity after witnessing what an asshole Harper was <laughs> and his staunch human supremacist outlook? I, th- I think that there there could be a lot of uh, a lot to that. I mean, imagine imagine a series of conversations between the two and, you know, maybe one with Harper saying, oh, this, you know, this galaxy is a wonderful place. There's so much to explore. There's so much good good out here. And Saren already being anti-human saying you humans don't stand a chance. We're going to eat you alive. <laughs> you know, like this kind of rhetoric and him overplaying the power of, you know, not only his race, but the other races out there that the humans haven't even begun to deal with yet and trying to scare the bejesus out of him. And then Harper pushing back and going, well, 
well, we're just going to you haven't dealt with humanity before. You don't know what we're capable of. And then that creating this like, you know, two opposing forces that just. Yeah. You know, yeah. what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so so basically Jack Harper goes on the extranet one day and he publishes this anonymous manifesto. And you can see where I'm going with this. I'm bringing it full circle. Like I told you I would. <laughs> His critics deride it as merely the ramblings of an elusive man. And thus Harper takes on the mantle of responsibility, as he would say, for protecting humanity. And he dons the identity of the elusive man. And he forms Cerberus as a vehicle for recruiting an army to advance human only interests. Ah, so it's uh, so he didn't give himself the nickname then, which is kind of I mean, at least he's got that to his credit, you know, because yeah, it's he, super he lame to give his himself own press releases. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got he does that, but at least he doesn't give himself. It's super lame to give yourself your own nickname. Like he does, it's like he was just like sitting there in the corner going, hmm, nickname. I need a name to go. The, ooh, the elusive man. That sounds mysterious. Let's go with that. You know? The frightening man. No, no, no two on the nose. The spooky guy. Oh, no. I, um, uh, the mysterious son of a bitch. No, no, nobody will take that seriously. The elusive <laughs> fellow. Oh, I like that. No, it's close. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know why he's talking more and more in a strange accent, but, um, uh, so at least he's got that going. But um, so how did Cerberus grow from some extra net, net post in these like little rambling manifestos to become what it is? Like what, what, what was that path? Yeah, well, it turns out that, you know, Harper touched on a very real fear that many humans held. Um, and that's kind of another key for dictators to rise. You know, they there have been so many manifestos that have been put out there and then they just die because they were unrelatable. You know what I mean? But this manifesto touches on a very real fear that humans have all across the galaxy, across colonies on Earth. And it's that aliens could betray them. So humanity needs to grab what it could when it could and become strong enough to withstand any attack. Um, Which is, I mean, there's truth to that. There is, but I'm immediately like recalling some political speeches in recent history to my mind. Sure. I mean, there's, uh, there's also danger in that as well, you know, but that, that's, that's why these kinds of messages are, can be so dangerous there's wisdom in this as well as folly. There, there's both. If you t- if yeah. you do this too aggressively, then it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. If you don't, oh, yeah. if you don't act on it, then you're not ready to respond when inevitably an alien force tries to take you down because the universe is not going to be filled, you know, of just benevolent alien beings that just want to welcome us, you know, in and offer us you know, a, a seat at the table because that's not going to happen either. The truth is somewhere in between. So you have to do it delicately. That's where, you know, that's, where, that's where it's more than just, you know, approaching everybody with a, with an armed rifle comes in. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, and so much of how people treat us is determined on how we present ourselves. So I'm glad that we're covering the ideology, the counter ideology to the aliens ideology of why is humanity such an aggressive expansionist asshole, right? Yeah. Because we talked about that so much in the beginning episodes of the series, you know, uh, this is the this is the Volus's perspective on you know how the hell did humanity get an embassy so soon, uh, you know, and why so many alien species were resentful of humanity. Well, this is the counter ideology. This is the human extremism ideology of well, we need to be or else we'll get nothing. Right. Uh, right. And 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 so, you know, there's a way to do that diplomatically. I will say that there's a way to do that diplomatically to extend an open hand and keep an unarmed gun behind your back, you know, um, yeah. and some of the galaxy's diplomats do that, but not not the elusive man, not Jack Harper. No. Um, 
So his ideology, it turns out, you know, resonates with a lot of people. But the name Cerberus really first appears in the headlines when an Alliance cruiser, the SSV Geneva, is the target of a failed piracy attempt. Armed men storm the vessel and they try to steal antimatter, which is ship fuel. They make ship fuel from that. Um, And when they're caught, all of them die except for one. And this one guy, when he's asked who he works for, he only says one word. Cerberus. Pizza Hut. (laughs) No one out pizzas the hut. (laughs) No one out pizzas the hut. (laughs) what and everyone was very confused after that total total legend that one Uh, (laughs) no he says cerberus and get this that happens in 2165 that's only eight years after the first contact war meaning that harper spent all of that time all eight years gathering resources personnel trend planning to pull off an operation like this Right, but it failed. <laughs> yeah, it failed. <laughs> it didn't so work. It did. <laughs> Cerberus did fail on that operation. And yet, the media attention drove recruitment sky high. Huh. So, I mean, I guess it. it's, it's odd. I mean, that they say that nothing's bad press, right? Like, no press is bad press. But you would think... An organization like this failing at that would be bad press, but maybe they maybe even the attempt was more than what most people thought they would be capable of. And that by itself was inspiring. Yeah, I mean, they're pulling off a pirate attempt on well, they're not pulling it off. They're but, executing, I guess, a, a pirate attempt on an alliance vessel. And so I'm imagining if this happened today against a U.S. Navy vessel and then all you hear is just some mysterious one word answer. We work for Cerberus. Your first thought Mm -hmm. is going to be who the fuck is Cerberus, right? So then you might Google that. You might search the extranet for that. And then you're like, oh, my God, there's a real three headed dog out there somewhere. Yeah. You might come across (laughs) a manifesto. And then when you come across that manifesto, you read it. Maybe you think, you know, this actually doesn't sound so crazy. Mm hmm. And so that's kind of, you know, we have these pirates, these terrorist attacks, these horrible things happen in real life. And when they receive media attention, when more people hear about them, it inspires, for lack of a better word, it inspires other bad people to commit similar atrocities. I mean, this happens with school shootings, right? We've heard some shooters have been influenced by the actions of other heinous people. Right, right. No matter how poorly it ends up for them. There's still something inspirational about it, which doesn't rationally make sense. But to somebody who's, I don't know, in that space emotionally, somehow that resonates. I think there's a certain level of of wanting to be a martyr with it. Yeah. um, Because it's romanticized. But, you know, so then I guess my question is, is the morally correct thing for the media? And I put the media in quotes because let's be honest, that that collective term, the media doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So is the morally correct thing for the media to stop reporting on things like this? Right. Well, no. Well, I mean, obviously, that's that's not true either. That's not good either, because then right. People I don't agree. Know. I say no. Right. Right. And it's better to have. It's better to have information than no information. It's best to have accurate and truthful information than false information. And, you know, I, I mean, I, that's that's what I would say. Uh, so, no, I mean, that's we can only make decisions based on the information we have and the accuracy of that information. So it's always better to have more information. And just because a small percentage of people are going to use that information inappropriately doesn't mean the majority are still going to make good decisions based on that information. I think there's right. there's, a, there's you know, just a, a, there's a greater good to be had. And even if you're, you know, putting accurate information out and no one at all is listening, that doesn't mean it's pointless. <laughs> that it it mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's pointless at all. In fact, you know, the duty of news media um, is to keep the population informed, like you've said, good or bad. It doesn't mean that, you know, when, oh, when the event is bad, we don't inform them of it. That's not news media's job. That's not, right. that's so outside of ethics, the ethics of journalism to, you know, determine, you know, this is in a, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, right. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, good stuff. Nice little segue. Obviously, we can you can tell that uh, you have uh, some experience when it comes to journalism. <laughs> Just <laughs> but, a uh, little. But um, so let's get back to Mass Effect. So where does Cerberus go from here? What what do they do with these new these new? I mean, they're not really recruits. They're just like interested individuals, right? Yeah, yeah. They're they're prospects. Um, and I think that the elusive man being a clever individual would probably use them as best as he could. Even if they didn't want to sign up and wear a uniform, he'd find some way to use them as an informant or I don't know, um, suicide bomber or something. I don't, nothing is off the or table with spreading him. information or misinformation. Exactly. Yeah, right. Um, and media manipulation was one of the main categories of operations that Cerberus was involved in. But just five years later, five years after this terrorist or this piracy attack on the Alliance vessel in 2170, Cerberus carries out another attack on a much, much bigger scale, although it's dismissed as just a tragic accident. In 2170, an Eldfell Ashland energy vessel explodes in the planet Yandoa's atmosphere, exposing the entire human colony to dust form element zero. Now, as some of you may remember, humanity had its own ESO accident on Earth years and years before, but and, and for most, it resulted in total tragedy. Children dying of cancer, people with failing organs. You get it. But there were very few who didn't receive negative consequences, at least not totally negative. Some who were exposed in utero to, to element zero grew up to exhibit stellar biotic abilities. This is the case for Kate and Alenko. And it's heavily implied that this is what happened to Commander Shepard if the player chooses that Shepard has biotic powers. It's also the case for Jillian Grayson, who was born on Yandoa, and exposed to that element zero while in the womb. Jillian is autistic. She's one of the very few autistic characters in the series. And she's also a gifted biotic, arguably a, a savant. She's kidnapped as a baby and given to a Cerberus agent who quote unquote adopts her. I refuse to acknowledge that that's a legitimate adoption. Huh. <laughs> um, but he adopts her purely as part of his mission which is a mean like he he use, Cerberus uses Jillian to infiltrate the alliance's Grissom Academy for Biotics so get so let's wrap this like bring this full circle you have Cerberus that arranges an accident where uh, where an energy vessel explodes over the planet Yandoa's atmosphere exposing the entire colony to dust form element zero. Now all of a sudden you have some people who were exposed in utero to element zero and you know some start exhibiting biotic tendencies later. And Cerberus just so happens to kidnap one of them as a means to infiltrate the alliance's Grissom Academy for Biotics. It's almost like a forced evolution experiment thing. Yeah, it's experimenting on people. And, yeah. and, you know, if you ask Cerberus, the elusive man would probably say they exposed so many people to element zero on purpose to better humanity. That's how Martin Sheen would say it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and give more human beings the tools they need to defend themselves from the alien menace, you know. Right. Um, right. But in reality, it was a terrorist attack which undoubtedly would have resulted in death and terminal illness for many, many innocent people. And it's followed up by two similar accidents in other colonies in the four months afterwards. Yeah. It, whenever you take somebody else's uh, well-being well into your own hands and their own control out of their hands, then there's definitely moral issues with that. So, um, okay. So this all makes a lot of sense. But we still haven't talked about the Pope. So that's right. So, yeah. so what about the Pope? Where does, where does the so Pope I, come in? I brought up the Pope earlier. Yes. Basically, the, a year afterward, a year after these accidents happen and expose other colonies to, to element zero, Pope Clement XVI is assassinated with rosary beads coated with toxic materials so that he can be replaced by another guy who has beliefs more in line with Cerberus's goal of militarizing all of humanity. 
That's a <laughs> man. So the Pope, it's, it's it's kind of funny that the Pope still had that much influence that he was a target. Not, it is, I'm not right? assuming that like religion goes away or something, but that like for some reason in this situation that I, I guess Pope Clement was like a very vocal person against what was going on in order for him to be like targeted like this. And so they were like, this is, he's making too much of a stirring. Like he's, he's really pushing people against us. We got to We got the Pope, you know, like this is at the same time that Cerberus is leading assassinations of political leaders in the, in the United North American States, I believe it's called. Um, so nothing is out of his purview. Like, <laughs> like everything's on the table. Uh, when it comes to achieving his singular goal, which is what he says is the improvement of humanity. But let's be real. It's the improvement of humanity as defined by Jack Harper. Right, right. His his version of improvement. Right. right. And his version of whatever the hell humanity is. Because um, <laughs> he's changing it. He's turning people into biotics. Right. And he's also killing people <laughs> along the way. So he doesn't love humanity that much. Um, right, right. Yeah. And so th that's that's kind of like the deal. That's the, the that's how Cerberus becomes what it is. They they get their start with a uh, piracy attack here. Uh, people hear about it. They start flooding to Cerberus in numbers, you know, Googling. So well, I don't know what Google <laughs> is in this in this universe, but looking up Cerberus, finding their way to the elusive man, he puts them to work. Yeah. Strangely enough, sudden, it's actually starts... AOL online again. It's like they go away and then they come back. <laughs> it's a total cycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, they and, and you know and like after these new numbers they are able to ramp up their operations to these massive massive terrorist attacks which are you know affecting entire worlds by blowing up ezo vessels in the atmosphere and then they're assassinating the pope and then they're assassinating high level like politicians and they're gaining more and more infamy as this is going down right mm -hmm. um and everyone knows what cerberus's manifesto is so they're gaining more and more of this uh of this of this population that is so scared of aliens that decides you know what maybe these maybe these guys can make a difference right maybe they can protect us with their murder <laughs> yeah pretty much um but yeah that's that's pretty much the the gist of the origins of cerberus i think when we come back next week uh which is actually not next week it's just sunday yeah, yeah. um it'll be soon when when we come back Sunday, we're going to be continuing our factions episodes with another chapter of the Cerberus uh, episode where we're going to be talking about their notable operations, including Project Lazarus and the structure of Cerberus as an organization. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds good. Um, this episode, if you are watching live right now, we'll, we'll have this up uh, tomorrow because it's late. I'll just put it up for everybody tomorrow as soon as it's edited and ready to go so if you tuned in a little bit late and you're waiting to get the beginning of the episode don't worry it'll be up very soon also um if you are listening at home or in your office or in your car or whatever and you'd like to tune in our live shows are usually on sunday nights at 10 30 p.m eastern on twitch.tv slash robots radio we'd love to have you in chat I, I love all the comments and things in chat it's always fun to see you guys in here so thank you for joining us um sammy anything else going on i know you've got you've got that new gpu back in your system it's it's worked for this whole stream you didn't dip it out is. on us everything's going well you're gonna be playing some games hell fucking yeah i'm gonna be playing some games <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited to. I, God knows it's been so long. I've been waiting for this PC, of course. And then the PC came and problem was with the GPU. Then I had to wait another three weeks for the GPU to be solved. Um, I am so ready to jump back in some games and not the least of them being Mass Effect. I'm going to be streaming that. Now that I have a ton of additional streaming capabilities mm -hmm. since i'm playing on pc and i can make the streams much more interactive Ooh. and hey look at this i can actually appear on camera and i'm in space and that's I'm in pretty space. cool that's a lot more fun to look at that being said if people would like to connect with me or watch some of my streams go ahead and uh just type in uh in seven the legend 
is fucking awesome. No, I'm kidding. In Seven <laughs> Legends on Twitch. Uh, and it's virtually everywhere else as well. Uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, in the Discord. It's just In Seven Legend. Um, and I will love to uh, chat with you while I'm playing some games. And if you'd like to co-stream some multiplayer games, I have been chomping at the bit to play some Battlefield. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, the beta is out this week. It'll be... The open beta starts the 8th. So that'll be up for everybody if you didn't if you pre-ordered you can play the open beta now the sixth and seventh the eighth it's open for everybody eighth and ninth open beta be up for everybody so i'll be playing on the eighth i don't think i'll be pre-ordering unless i just give in and my weakness like i just like ah, okay fine i'm just gonna pre-order because i'll probably just buy it anyway um so we'll see also back for blood it comes out on the 12th so that's next week i'll be playing that as well um, so if you guys want to get together and play some of that, kill some zombies and things, I'll definitely be doing that next week. And I've been streaming in the morning. So this is what I've been doing the last three weeks, every morning, starting at 8:30 AM Eastern time, which is super early Sam's time <laughs> Pacific, but, uh, in the mornings until about the middle of the day. So come hang out with me. Sometimes I'm editing podcasts. Uh, but lately I've been playing some games and things, hanging out with people. So I'd love to see you guys. I've been thinking about doing some really spooky games too, being that it's spoop tober. So that might be fun. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. But that's yep. what I got going on. But you guys know how to get a hold of us and all the other shows at robotsradio.net. We've got all sorts of other shows for you to check out. If you're into any other RPGs, there's a bunch of lore casts like this one, many of which I host with other hosts. And there are some on the show on the network that are other hosts do as well. So go check those out and uh, come join us on Sunday night. And then when we do the next episode and we wrap up the rest of the Cerberus stuff and the elusive man. I think I think we should they should have had a different voice actor who sounded a little bit more creepy like that. Like uh Burns from The Simpsons. Uh, Simpson, eh? Hmm, Simpson. Who is this Simpson? Yes, that would have been I am the elusive man. Arguably, I think Martin Sheen did the best. He was in good. all of Mass Effect. He, he was I he is very notable. He's like got a very I mean, obviously you know it's him when you hear him, but he also when you hear him in the games, you're like, mm, yeah, he's a good character, like right off the bat. Oh, yeah. And he just brings such life to the the elusive man's character, especially in the final scene, Mass Effect 3. Not going to spoil it for anyone, but if you need a little refresher, don't hesitate to look it up. Of course, there's spoilers, but, you know, Martin Sheen's performance in the final scenes of Mass Effect 3 is so fucking good. It really brings the the series to a, a close. Yeah. I mean, we've had so many like A-list stars in recent games, you know, something you know, something like Keanu Reeves and uh, Cyberpunk 2077 um, that you don't generally think about games going back a decade ago having these A-list, A-list stars doing voice acting. But we did, you know. And yeah, Mass Effect was one of the first, like, yeah. you know, big, I say big, but Mass Effect 1 wasn't like a yeah. big name when it came out. It yeah. wasn't hyped a lot. But by 2, um, it was, everybody knew what it was. Like, right. Yeah. Right. And and even in Mass Effect 1, there, Martin Sheen may not have been part of the cast, but Keith David was. Yeah. Courtney Taylor, or Courtney Taylor had not yet joined the cast, but uh, Jennifer Hale was, and she was a big name in the industry. Right. Um, right. But, not, but not was, having, not been known as an actor outside of voice acting but to bring in yeah. somebody who was you know a you know a screen actor who had been in lots of things and notable like somebody you see and go oh that's martin sheen like you just you know yeah a name you know was was incredible for yeah he's 10 years ago he's unforgettable yeah he's unforgettable yeah well very cool stuff guys thank you for joining us we'll be back again next week and as always we'd love to hear your thoughts on some of the stuff on the robots radio discord so come join us and chat on there um we're gonna head out it's getting late we'll see you guys next time stay safe in the universe and don't do anything weird and creepy with you know cult followings all right see you guys bye Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. Guardians, we are the Destiny Show Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things Destiny 2. 
We invite amazing guests from the Destiny community to share their stories and discuss the latest topics from the world of Destiny. Check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will see you starside. Are you an avid player of the Elder Scrolls Online and looking to take your game to that next level? Well, the Red Diamond Courier Podcast is here to help. I'm Bob Chichinsky. And I'm Dogbark24. We are two experienced players aiming to help others learn and improve through in-game knowledge and references. From PvE. To PvP. And everything in between. There's sure to be something for you in the Red Diamond Courier. We, we hope, hope you, you check, check us, us out. out. Thanks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.